0: Hello and welcome to Back Talk, the show with two feminist people talking about this week in pop culture. My name is Sarah Merck. I'm the online editor at Bitch Media, which means this week I have been ragefully assigning articles about Trump and Islamophobia left and right. I think (laughs) I assigned three articles this week just being like, we need to write about this. And I'm pouring all of my anger into sending emails to writers saying... Please, please, please write about this. Rage assigning. I'm rage assigning this week. I'm on Rampage. <laughs> and I'm Amy Lamb, the associate
1: editor. And um, I feel like my eyeballs are melting. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're just having like a lot of like end of year catching up for Bitch Media and just getting all of our like pieces together to put online so when we're taking Uh, holiday breaks or yeah so
0: your eyeballs are are melting because you're staring at a computer screen doing too much editing and then also because the world is like um a horrible
1: place yeah it's like a shitty place that's like imploding so which we will talk about more what a fun (laughs) what a
0: fun introduction guys welcome to our (laughs) podcast of horrors Uh. Uh. (laughs) Um, all right well we start off the show talking about our favorite piece of pop culture this week uh I think I know what my personal favorite piece of pop culture was this week, which is so at the end of the week uh, on Friday, I was like so upset. I've been like emotionally on edge for weeks now. Just it seems like every day something else horrible happens. So on Friday, uh, I watched this interview with Carrie Fisher. Um, who is in the new Star Wars film, The Force Awakens, and she's being interviewed on Good Morning America. And it's a hilarious interview because it's this super mundane format where it's like, so Carrie Fisher, like, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. And Carrie Fisher does not give a fuck and uh, turns it into a hilarious thing where she kind of turns the interview around on it. So let's listen to a brief clip from that. She also shows off her dog named Gary, and basically makes the interview all about Gary rather than about Princess Leia.
1: Carrie, thank you for being with us.
0: Look, I wouldn't be anywhere else at this hour, except on TV.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And you brought along a friend. I did because his tongue matches the sweater. It's a good and look. so,
0: yeah, he was- This is a, Gary? This is Gary, and he's very, very famous on Twitter. <laughs> he
1: and, likes looking uh, at himself.
0: He really likes looking at himself. Well, wouldn't you if you looked like that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> He wears that tongue well. I want to talk a little bit about this movie. Uh, comes out in just a couple of days. It's shrouded in secrecy. We've never interviewed so many stars, and we're not even allowed to see the movie. So I haven't seen it, but you have.
0: It's really good,
1: and I and I think in my mouth, so I don't lie. <laughs> but it's it's everything it's promised to be and more. Gary, you saw it. Gary did see it. <laughs> Gary, what did you think? He. Panted all the way through it. I think it was too loud. Oh, a little too loud. It was his first real screening. <laughs> so he s- looked like that. Still, the tongue wasn't out of his mouth before he saw the movie.
0: And that, that happened after watching the movie. It'll
1: happen to everyone. Wow. Okay. Good to Worth know. it though. That's how good. It
0: all is. right. That was Carrie Fisher. Look up that video. It's on bitchmedia.org. Um, I love that interview.
1: Yeah, it's super funny. And uh, and the thing about Gary being in the interview is he has this, I think, condition where his tongue hangs out a lot. His tongue can't go back yeah, in his Yeah, and, and it actually, it's really cute, but like, as a person who, as a super duper dog lover I just worry that like his tongue is gonna dry out because it it will if if, I hope Carrie Fisher is taking care of Gary's tongue. I
0: hope she has a a special sponge that she carries around just to (laughs) sponge his tongue and keep it wet
1: uh that's that's literally what I want my life to be like where I just do corny um morning talk show interviews and with my dog who has a tongue condition and my life is just spent sponging their tongue to keep it moisturized I I don't want to do anything else I just can somebody figure out a way I like this life, call. Cool. <laughs> go, go get it. Uh, my favorite pop culture moment of the week is The Wiz Live. Oh, yeah. Yes, it was so magical and good. I think that, um, you know, when we watch television nowadays, we don't uh, think about, like, Live production and what sort of like live theater looks like, and how invigorating it can be. Because when we watch um, scripted television, where you're like on set and you have like three different cameras and you take multiple takes and stuff, um, you know, th- like there's definite validity to that type of storytelling. But with live theater, it's just a whole different experience. And it was just awesome to see, like, um, An all black cast telling like the the story of the Wizard of Oz through that lens and uh, the the acting and the singing was like tremendous and it's just beautiful like set design and costume design Um, just amazing performances from everybody. there was uh, Queen Latifah was on there playing the Wiz, uh, Mary J. Blige played one of the Wicked Witches, the one who didn't, who wasn't killed at the beginning. <laughs> um, and my only complaint is that there wasn't enough Toto. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like Toto got. Uh, not a great deal because, like, they came, the dog came at the beginning of the play and then, like, came back at the very end. And I was like, We need more, but I understand more toto. that. Like, with live theater, like, dogs can be very volatile. Mm-hmm. So I get that. But still,
0: like, figure it out, get more Toto in there. <laughs> All right. So let's start off the show by talking about the new Netflix and Marvel series, Jessica Jones, uh, which I am currently obsessed with many, many people are currently obsessed with. Here's a little background on the show. So this uh, this is a show that just uh, debuted last month, at the end of the month, and it's based on a comic book series uh, called Alias that's written by the author Brian Michael Bendis. It was adapted to screen um, by, uh, I guess she's the showrunner, if you call it that on Netflix, the, the creator, Melissa Rosenberg. And the show centers on a woman named Jessica Jones, who's a private eye, and she is not nice. She is not a likable female character she is uh, tough and uh, emotionally screwed up and uh, has a short fuse and gets angry a lot and um she's grappling with her past and uh her past includes being controlled by um a man who has superpowers he is a mind controller named Kilgrave. he can sort of tell people to do things and um and control individuals for up to 12 hours. And Jessica Jones herself, um, also has superpowers as it's revealed. It's that she has like super strength and can jump really, really high. Um, and it's not your classic superhero show because there's, it's not like they're running around saving the world. Their superpowers are pretty much on the down low and hidden. And they're just trying to get through the world without, um, a lot of people finding out about their powers. And honestly without doing that much to like save the world with their powers they're just trying to get through the world and and grapple with uh their own personal histories yeah you you were skeptical of the show right uh i was
1: skeptical (laughs) i skeptical is an understatement because i was just like i cannot get with comic book shit i don't understand it um i kept i mean before i gave it a chance i just kept asking questions like uh what do you mean like uh, she she has powers, but she doesn't do anything, and she's cranky. Like I just didn't understand like what what this could mean. Um, and then I watched the first episode, and I was like, Oh, I'm intrigued because. It- it, at the core of it it's it's about a woman who's like trying to survive her life like her daily life and she's an alcoholic mm-hmm. um she has to like deal with like past trauma and ptsd um and those are those are like real lived experiences that many people have to deal with and uh without having superpowers and i and i think that like there's also this this piece of her having like super strength or like her her ability to like jump really high uh, or um to just have like a lot of physical power. Like even adds another layer to it because you're when you're watching it you're thinking like, wow, this person has these um this this great physical ability, um, but yet they still struggle with these day to day things that I struggle with as a mortal being.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really important element of the show. So the show has a says a lot, I think, about abusive relationships and um and domestic violence because um this guy Kilgrave who's On the the exterior, he's super charming. People love him when they meet him. He's, like, really handsome. He's got a... He's he's really handsome. He's got a British accent. And... um, But uh, uh, behind the scenes, he's actually super manipulative and can force people to do things that they don't want to do. And, um, like, be in a relationship with him. And Jessica Jones is dealing with her history of that and coming to terms with that... um, with how she was controlled by him. And it's really refreshing, I think, in a society where um, people, like both media and regular people, expect people who are in domestic violence situations to be like the perfect victim and to like, are always asking like, why didn't you leave? Like, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? To have a show where there's somebody who is a superhero who is still manipulated and controlled. Like it doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter if you have super strength and can leap a building in a single bound you can still be a victim of domestic abuse and manipulated by somebody who wants to control you that way. And that's a real central element of the show. Right, and... I I would disagree that he's like people
1: love him or uh, he's super charming is that like he makes people yeah. do things because I'm only like halfway through the series and like I don't think anybody actually ever likes him. He's just like he
0: mind controls them to do things that he wants them to do. Well, I think what, what I'm thinking about is that people keep saying no one's going to believe me when I tell them about this. Right. You know, because this guy seems like a normal guy and also because he can control minds. But like. No one is going, they, they say often in the show, the the women specifically who are controlled, they say, no one's going to believe me that he made me do this. But when I,
1: when I saw that, that made me think about how, like, abusers can um, manipulate the, like, the external world mm-hmm. to make them look normal. So, like, because in, the, so I'm only, like I said, I've only watched the halfway through the series. Like, there's never a point where I'm like anybody genuinely likes him he always is he's mean and he's like he manipulates folks and it's just like it it reflects how like this notion that like um you know like you're talking about with um domestic violence situations where people are like wow i, I didn't or there's also a situation where people are like i had no idea that person was an abuser mm-hmm. because they were able to manipulate the um folks from their external world to be like hey i'm just this like normal person but with Kilgrave, he does it uh, it's being shown in a way where he's very explicit about his manipulation there's no like sugarcoating it um a- a- And and in a way, I do wish that they did. They would show him to being more normal and charming without manipulating. Mm -hmm. Um, Because then it it might like it might really drive home like the notion that like abusers don't just like walk in a room and like demand things for them. Yeah, they can just slip by. and Right. Because he uh, he does. He literally just walks in the room and like and his ability is to just say like, you will do this for me. And then it's done. Um, And uh, it's it's a it's a dark show. It's a really dark show. Really dark. And it's like. And it's anxiety-inducing. And you and I were just talking about how, because, uh, like, you know, we work so much. And then, like, at the end of the day, I'm like, huh, I'm going to relax and watch some <laughs> Jessica Jones. And I there's been a couple nights where I, it's, like, the last thing I watch before I go to bed. And I've had nightmares.
0: Yeah, I have also had Jessica Jones-induced nightmares. Yeah. Because I'm, like, sitting watching Netflix before right. I go to bed. And then, I'm, and then like, I just, like, I'm laying there with my eyes open being like, oh, my God, yeah. murder.
1: yeah. Yeah. And, and the nightmares that I have, like, aren't about Jessica Jones. They're about, like, my personal life. Oh, really? Yeah, but with, like, twisted, like, really awful things happening. And so I... I've been so twice already, so I need to, like, stop doing I
0: this. have a lot of trouble watching violent shows. Um, and so I have uh, pioneered this uh, a, a two-tab watching system. So I have Netflix open in one tab on my computer. Uh-huh. And then I have another tab open where I'm doing something super mundane. And so in the moments where the show gets too scary to watch, I just open the other tab... And I can still kind of hear what's going on, but I don't have to look at it. And in the meantime, I'm like looking up recipes or like paying my bills and having and then I can switch back whenever I want to. Um, uh. So this helps me deal with shows that are really violent is just having something else that I'm doing can be like, OK, sweet. I'm just going to skip over this part that's too horrible to watch and pay some bills and then I'll come back to it.
1: That's actually a really good strategy. And I, I guess I was I was inadvertently employing this because I was watching it on my my tiny, tiny phone Mm -hmm. while I was making pie dough crust last night oh that's nice so, and there was this really violent scene um that was happening and, and then it was happening in like a really small screen so I couldn't see a lot of the violence and I was making pie dough crust so I was like okay and I guess I didn't realize this but I was distracting myself but still I had a bad, bad dream afterwards. Yeah. yeah
0: oh I just wanted to talk about how this show so you were saying uh superhero stories often don't resonate with you and Honestly, I love comics. I'm a big comics fan, but superhero movies are, in recent years have just been so schlocky and overblown, and not really in, like inve- investigating the storylines and the questions that I think are really interesting about superhero stories. And Jessica Jones does a really good job of that. I think of the sh- the questions the show is asking are like, um, if you do, if you are strong, if you are physically strong, like what is your responsibility in society? Je- Jessica Jones grapples with that a lot. Of like. Am I supposed to be saving people? Am I supposed to be some kind of hero? Or should I just be taking care of myself? As well as a lot of superhero movies are just into like, and TV shows are just into like blowing stuff up and like saving a different person every week. And shows like this have done, do a really good job of being like, what is it like if you're really different than everybody else? And you're trying to hide something about yourself and you feel like you don't fit in. And that's like the narrative about superheroes that I think people really connect with. And I want more pop culture to get back to, to say, you know what, like these people are treated as as freaks a lot of the time. What's it like to feel like you're an outsider in society? And what's your role if you are, if you do have the power to help other people? And with like the, um,
1: the other big superhero franchises, um, there's like this over familiar, over familiarity with like their backstory like i know who batman is i know why he became batman and uh, his whole life is like about anger about his parents death right and trying to make the world a better place because he saw this but with the jessica jones story like i didn't know anything about it and that kept me from watching the show but as i watched it i was like watching her story unfold is really interesting the storytelling on the show is really great um not being told everything right off the bat about her history was really interesting because it kept me interested um and i just think that it's just a well-done show regardless of like the
0: superhero power aspect. Mm-hmm. I also, okay, one more thing I like about the show and then we can stop talking about it maybe. But um, <laughs> the show really centers on female friendships. Like the core of the show is the relationship between Jessica Jones and her friend, uh, Trish. Uh, and their relationship is sort of the emotional core of the show. And there are, there's lots of male characters on the show, but none of them are like saviors who swoop in and save the day. In fact, most of them, they get, try. of them, even though they try, try yeah. most of the time they get in the way and um and just Jessica Jones and Trish have to be like what are you doing and so it's cool I was I was kind of worried that the storyline would would deviate away you know it be like oh yeah and she has this friend Trish but let's talk about these dudes but instead it has really centered on the female friendship throughout it and I'm excited about that and there's um this
1: character I don't know he's a comic book character but Luke Cage. Luke Cage yeah. yes he's great in this um he's he's also like has his secret superhero powers but there's this scene where um because like there there are male characters in in the show that are trying to like help Jessica Jones or like kind of like I don't think you can do this on your own you need my help but Luke Cage never questions Jessica's abilities he's like no you do your thing um like I know you can do this like I, I unquestionably and and you know, often we don't see like a, a powerful, like a physically powerful male character tell a female character this. Like, duh, like mm-hmm. you can take care of this. I'm not even worried. Um, so that was like I, I was doing my stupid, uh, my pie dough, and I, and I like stopped and I was like, did he say that? You know, I, I made me stop and look at my little screen to like reaffirm that like, hey, somebody is trusting her to do this thing on her own.
0: So next up, we're talking about the most horrible person in the world, uh, Donald Trump. And I want to talk about Donald Trump and uh, Islamophobia in the United States because, well, he's, he gets, okay, here, here's, here's my conflict, okay? I'll talk you through it, is that uh, we talk about Donald Trump too much out of the country. Like, he has this platform because he's running for president where he can say anything he wants, hate speech, horribly bigoted things, and it'll be printed on the front page of the newspaper. And I think that is not a good thing you know that uh he has sort of pushed the center of our debate to a point where we are talking about hey should muslim people be allowed into the country or not and like that is not a question we should be asking anybody should be asking that's a that's a ludicrous racist hateful question and he's making us ask it and so i feel like donald trump is consuming far too much of my emotional energy and our collective emotional energy, as well as our mental energy and the conversations that we're having are too Trumpified. On the other hand, I am filled with like rage and sadness, and so I need to talk about it. <laughs> and so I guess I just want to say that what's really been striking to me this week is how um, when Donald Trump has said a bunch of really Islamophobic and hateful things about um, Muslims this week, concurrently there are these protests that keep happening in texas against against muslim americans and so like right now in texas um there have been a couple rallies outside of mosques around texas where people um are holding rallies to stop the islamicization of america and they're outside of mosques holding guns staging these rallies and i think that People really want to laugh off Trump, and I just want to be like, oh, he's a joke, I'm not going to think about him. He's just like a fringe, hateful person who doesn't deserve any of my mental space. But at the same time, his rhetoric really resonates with some people, and um, it's making the country a worse place, and it's it's really leading to an environment of hostility toward Muslim Americans. And so I'm not really sure what to do about that. Well, I mean... I, I
1: think you've done a good first step in the, in, <laughs> in acknowledging that yeah. Donald J. Trump is a awful human pile of garbage. Uh, like, like to even call him a human is, is questionable because I don't even want to relate to him as a species. Um, but I, I think that uh, this, his rhetoric is so, Dangerous, because in a way he normalizes um, Islamophobia to this extent that like um, is fucked up. Because uh, you know that your sh- your rhetoric is fucked up when Dick Cheney says that like what you're saying is wrong. Because Dick Cheney came out to say that like no, we can't keep Muslims out of America. This is against like the you know?
0: yeah. And that's kind of one thing I'm worried about with Trump is that he makes Dick Cheney look like a moderate, right? You know, so if if he is like oh like like Donald Trump is like the right wing candidate, then uh then Jeb Bush or Marco Rubio, who also have lots of hurtful, horrible ideas, are like, oh, those guys are like mainstream moderates, but only compared to like the ludicrousness of Donald Trump. I think that's another thing. I think that's a really good point, Amy, that... um like people keep celebrating Trump for like his straight talk and for being like like a real
1: <laughs> and like that's how he's It's ta- not straight talk it's, it's he's racist he's, know, he's, it's hate speech It's hate speech yeah, yeah. It's, I mean
0: this is how he's talked about all the time on TV um is that like like Donald Trump he's just like you know he's just like a common guy like like saying what he believes and that is not, it's not I don't think we should celebrate somebody who says what they believe and what they believe is like racist it's bullshit hate. it's just straight yeah.
1: hate and the thing is that uh, I think that there's like complicity with. Uh, mainstream media in, in particular because they they will report the things that he said mm-hmm. without like taking the responsibility of saying framing it as it is it is hate, hate speech he's being a hate monger and if you're going to report what he said like tell it like it is and and you know I think a lot of like mainstream reporting hides behind this like veil of like oh we're just objectively reporting shit but like let's be real nobody's objectively reporting anything you're giving him a platform to uh, disseminate his hate like that's all you're doing you're amplifying your being a megaphone for his hate and to not take responsibility and to frame in like like this guy is like being fucking awful and he's ma- he's normalizing um this hate and, and you know you brought up this um like these protests in front of mosques in Texas where people are armed and and the thing is it's not just in Texas like it's happening in mosques all over this country i have a friend in portland who's muslim and um, He was telling me about how, like, you know, he doesn't often go to mosque because he's not, like, super practicing, but he has been because he's living in a white dominant space in Portland, so he wants to, like, be with his community. And, you know, he's, like, in his late 30s, and he was saying that, like, as an older man, like you know, he went to mosque in Southwest Portland and there were protesters outside. He's like, and he was like, you know what? Like it was really hard for me to take, but to think about like what it means to grow up Muslim, like to be a young Muslim person now, like to know that like the country that you were born in and that you're being raised in, um, like doesn't want you here because of the, you know, um, this blanket, like ignorant, hostile hate towards you. And the thing is that I, I hear, I hear stories about people seeing, um, normal regular like people around you know just walking doing their daily lives getting harassed by other people and um and then not knowing what to do about it so for example i'm a, I'm a like a big not secret reddit user and so i <laughs> often uh, visit like the portland subreddit uh-huh and um and somebody posted this thing and i think this is like emblematic of of like one of our issues about like what are our responsibilities um to like to to fight against like this this hate that he's spewing right, um, this person posted about how they were on the max and the max is a local um, Portland uh, ch- high. It's a light rail train. Yeah, light rail train. That's what it <laughs> is. I was like, yeah. It's like our public transit yeah. here. and um and this person witnessed somebody uh, being berated and yelled at by a racist because they were Muslim. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and this person made a post about how like oh, I'm so sorry. I sat there and listened to this person berate you. And you know what? This whole train car sat there and listened to this person berate you and you quietly got off on the next stop. And I'm really sorry I didn't say anything, but you know what? Next time I'll say something. And and as I read this, I was so upset. I'm like, no, don't don't sit there and not say anything while it's happening and then come go on the internet and then write a post about how you didn't do anything to like absolve like your non-action. Like if you're feeling it and you understand that like Trump is fucked up and that like this Islamophobia against these people who live here because, um, you know, this is their home now. And if you understand that this is like a hateful, fucked up situation, just literally stand up and, and like, you don't even have to like confront whoever's like espousing this hate. You can be... Uh, like an ally to them, just to go up to them and say, hey, like, would you like me to stand next to you or would you like to sit down next to me? Just like simple, small actions that we can take to like, uh, you know, um, do
0: something for somebody that we see in our daily lives. Actually, yeah, this, um, one of the articles i ragefully assigned this week is asking... <laughs> I'm getting rageful now. It's <laughs> asking um, uh, the, uh, someone who works for the website Muslim Girl, which is a website for Muslim women that focuses on feminist issues. I asked them to write a guide to being an ally to... Muslims right now in the United States and we're publishing that on Friday and I'm really excited to read it and to see what what they're going to come up with Um, so that's in the works and will hopefully be up on our site by the time this podcast comes out Uh, but that's something that I just really wanted to read and also wanted to share and like give to people is like hey how can you help stop this in, in your own personal life because that's one thing that I think gets me so upset about Trump is I just feel kind of like hopeless I feel like like this is, It's so big and so powerful, and, like, what can we do about it? And um, I think there's a lot you can do in your own personal life, even though it feels like maybe Trump controls the world. Well, no, he doesn't, because he's actually um, not as powerful as we think he is, or yeah. as he
1: thinks he is. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, like, you often read about, like, uh, like how he's been bankrupt, like, a few times, and, you know, he he's not—he's just— He's been successful at self-promotion.
0: Yeah. You know what yeah. he reminds me of is the Westboro Baptist Church. You know, the group. Fred that, Phelps. Fred Phelps. Yeah, yeah. The group that goes and protests with big signs that say, like, God hates fags. And how for the first few years of their existence, they got a ton of media attention and people would report on them all the time and be like, look at this interesting group. They think God hates fags. And after a while, like, lots of media outlets said, you know what, we're just not going to report on them anymore because it's not it's not a healthy thing. It's it's not a valid question to be asking. We don't want to print photos that say God hates fags. And I kind of feel the same way about Donald Trump, I guess, is that I wonder if media outlets are going to come around to saying, you know what, we're not going to print his statements about Muslim people. We're not going to ask the questions that he wants us to ask about whether Muslim, all Muslims are terrorists. You know, we're just not going to ask that question or not going to go there because that's clearly ludicrous. And so I kind of, I hope that uh, has... As we, I don't think this will happen at all. I think we're going to go down a downward spiral in this election. But I, I do think that my, my personal approach on reporting on Trump should be similar to reporting on the Westboro Baptist Church, where I'm like, you know what, hate speech, not going to print it. Right, and I think that um
1: a lot of times with um a lot of the big media outlets, you know, like when he talked about like you know building that big ridiculous beautiful wall that he wants to build to keep out mexican immigrants or how he wants to like not allow any more muslims in um there there's always the question of like well how do you think you're like like the i think reporters feel like they're doing a tough job when they're like well how do you think you're going to do that like n- I don't think the question is how the question should be. Why are you saying this? Mm -hmm. Because I think in asking why, like he can just reveal himself. He's like, well, I'm just a, you know, a good old white supremacist capitalist, (laughs) uh, you know, misogynist. So that's why, you know, like just just say it like like don't like dog whistle me anymore. Like this is who you are and let's ask him so he can tell us this is who he is in like plain English. And I think that one of the most, you know. In my darkest times, because this is really like stressful and traumatic, you know, Um, I, I do sometimes think and this is like so fucked up, but I do maybe sometimes think like maybe sometimes Donald Trump is the president we deserve oh yeah right like if if we're not taking action to you know um to take care of other things like outside of the random bullshit that he talks about like you know this is like if if we think about it like the united states of america is a a country founded on violence and rape and like uh a myriad of awful things and it's just coming to an end because like donald trump isn't successful because he you know he's like a millionaire or whatever um he's successful because there are actual americans
0: who believe in what he says yeah i think i mean i think what's what he says is scary, but what's scarier is that people are listening right. and taking it to heart. Yes. And, and, not, and not
1: interrogating themselves as to like why, why do I think his, quote, straight talk is, is resonating with me. You know why? Because you're a fucking white supremacist. Like, <laughs> uh, you're not going to Klan meetings, but you know what? You support Trump. You're a fucking white supremacist. Like Get out of my life. I think that's what people have to do with people yeah. in their lives. Who even have one iota of support for, for Donald Trump? Like, like, why do you support him? Is it because you're a white supremacist? I know
0: you don't have a hood in your closet, but this is going to lead to some awkward holiday conversations. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> so, you support Donald Trump? Think you might be a white supremacist? Yes. Let's
1: let's call it what it is. Right? Like, you're not just a quote Donald Trump supporter. You're a white supremacist. Um, you know, who's, uh, who's like, um, perpetuating this like colonial history that America's like famous for. So let's be real. Like, like, let's not sugarcoat how we talk about Donald Trump and like this agenda that he's putting out and, and in this fucked up way that it's not, um, some crazy far right, right thing because, um, there are legitimate, like people, quote, normal Americans who believe in it. And I'm, I I am not sorry that I've said fuck so much during this segment. (laughs) (laughs)
0: in conclusion fuck Donald Trump let's talk about some music (laughs) okay so at the end of the show we always talk about one thing we read one thing we saw and one thing we watched this week Um, let's start off with one thing we watched you have a show to recommend right yes so um
1: there's this web series called Clench and Release. <laughs> uh, it's by uh, this comedian. Her name is Sharla Lauriston. And it it's ha- has two seasons. And uh, I, from the few episodes that I've watched, I need to watch more of them. It's about, it's mainly focused on like her being a struggling stand-up comedian in New York City. And it's, she's so naturally funny and like a good actor. Um and, and I've listened to some interviews with her, and it turns out, like, this wasn't, like, her career path. She just kind of, like, fell into it. And I'm so shocked because she's so great at it. Um, there's this really hilarious episode about her, like, um, hooking up with somebody and then realizing that she might have to go uh, buy some Plan B. And it is, like, I, I watched, was watching it at work, at bitch, and I was, like, trying so hard not to, like laugh out loud there's this scene where um you know her and like a gaggle of women are at like the local pharmacy waiting in line to like for like the the clerk to open this glass case to like give them plan b Uh and and, he's literally like throwing it at them like feeding birds you know it's just ridiculous it's like so absurd um and her comedy is so great and she's just so naturally funny um and Based on her web series, she was like discovered and she ended up becoming a writer for um, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, yeah. And she was also a writer on Why with Hannibal Uh, Buhrs. She's just a great person to like, I think, kind of like keep your finger on and like
0: see where she goes with her career. So Clench and Release. Is it on YouTube or is it? It's on YouTube. Okay, Yeah, it's great. Check her out. Um, One thing we read this week is we've been following the story of... um, James Dean, the adult porn star, uh, being called out for uh, assaulting and, and raping numerous women. It's up to nine women now have accused James Dean of assault. And uh, there's a really moving interview with um, the performer Stoya, who uh, was the first person to come out and say that this happened over the last last weekend. Um, on her Twitter account, she just posted a super short tweet about what happened to her with James Dean um, who is, James Dean has been sort of hailed as like a you know a feminist porn star and people see him as like the boy next door and that's um, all fallen away in the last two weeks as more and more women have come out and accused him of assault and rape. Um, And uh, there's a really great interview between uh, the journalist Melissa Hira Grant and Stoya up on The Guardian website. And I recommend as much as I can signal boost that interview. It's really, really great. And it spells out the whole situation as well as looking more in depth at consent and porn um, and Stoya's story. So go look it up. It's Melissa Hira Grant interviewing Stoya and it's from The Guardian. I'll put a link to it on this podcast on our website, too.
1: And what we're listening to. Um, so we're listening to Natasha Cameto and her new record, Inevitable. Um, it was actually reviewed in our latest issue of Bitch Magazine. The nerd's issue. Yes. Um, fyi we have a magazine sometimes (laughs) people are like what
0: (laughs) sometimes people don't know that bitch is a magazine
1: yeah we started as a magazine like a a 20 years ago yeah it's all the
0: young people like you you still read paper right um (laughs) um,
1: in this awesome review by uh one of our writers hillary saunders uh, she talks about natasha commando's uh, second studio album and how it traces a journey of self-discovery and self-actualization uh her music is like kind of like really moody um electronic confused and she sings over it and then she like kind of loops her own vocals and layers it it's it's actually really beautiful and i know i oftentimes i overuse the word haunting when i describe music but it is haunting and and uh and like and there's also like this love i don't know how else to express it it's like this haunting like embrace of love in her music um and the track i want to play is
0: the eponymous <laughs> inevitable it's named after her record great well thanks so much for listening to backtalk let's listen to some natasha Kometo. thank you Thanks for listening to Backtalk. This podcast is hosted by Sarah Merck and Amy Lamb from Bitch Media. The show is produced by Alex Ward. Bitch Media is a reader and listener supported feminist nonprofit. Have you noticed that we don't shy away from tough conversations and that we cover just about every topic you can think of? That's because as a nonprofit independent media outlet, Bitch Media is entirely supported by thousands of folks like you. Not some big corporation or deep pocketed donor with a hidden agenda. If you love tuning in each week, please pitch in at bitchmedia.org slash podcast. And be sure to mention propaganda or backtalk when you donate. <laughs>